I want to share uh, quickly before Josh comes up here. Uh, we had a guest preacher lined up today. Uh, LaRonda and I were gone all week. Uh, we got had a, a great week in Jacksonville with our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant, and that was wonderful. Um, I had a guest preacher lined up today, uh, and she is snowed in in Wisconsin. So she was at a wedding, and um, she told me on Friday with the storm, it is not going to be safe for us to get back in time. And so... Um, I said, don't worry about it, you know, we'll, we'll come up with a plan B. I called Josh, and I was like, hey, Josh, do you want to be plan B? And uh, if you know Josh, he, he's not going to say no to any ask uh, for help. And um, he had about 20 hours notice or so that I gave him, uh, and he, he stepped right up to, to prep the sermon. Could we give Josh a hand just for being Josh? And... Um, uh, come on up, Josh, uh, and we're, we're excited. Josh preaches at Mosaic around once a month or so. Uh, this was not one of the weeks that he was scheduled uh, to preach, and I just want to, and I, and I said to him, I said, he had a lot going on yesterday. I said, Josh, don't worry about it. I'll preach. I got sermons in my back pocket. Like, don't worry about it. He said, no, you are supposed to get the week off. You're supposed to rest. I'm trying to enter a season of rest and recharge, and he was adamant that I don't preach today. So, Josh, I'm telling you, man, I appreciate you, I love you, and I'm so thankful uh, to have you as a friend and to have you on our leadership team here at Mosaic, and I'm just pumped. Uh, so anything that Josh says where you're like, this guy can't preach at all, he only had 20 hours to preach, so give the guy a break, okay? Um, anything he says that's good, you're going to be like, man, God is moving in this, guy, this guy's life right now. So let me just pray over you, Josh, and then uh, we'll let you to it. Lord, thank you so much for Josh. Thank you for Mosaic Church. Thank you for that you prepared him for this moment, um, and, and we're so thankful for that. Speak through him and prepare our hearts uh, for what you uh, have for us this morning. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you, Noah. Good morning, Mosaic. Oh, y'all got to wake up. Good morning, Mosaic. First, want to say uh, to Sister LaRonda, it's so good having you back. Like, we are just so blessed to, yeah, please round of applause for LaRonda. We're so blessed to have you leading in worship. Uh, you know, we definitely missed you last week. Any week you ain't here, you know, it could be good, but it ain't the same. And so we're just glad that you're back, glad that you got to be recharged and excited about what the Lord's doing in your heart um, from being down in, in, in Florida. To everybody that was here to see Jenny, nor give the apology, my apologies as well. Um, to any first time visitor here, my apologies to you because we're preaching on money today and I feel like that's the ongoing joke. Every time somebody's first time visiting a church, the church starts asking them for money. So today we are preaching on money. We are excited that you're here. We're not specifically asking you for your money, but the sermon is on money. It's, it's mostly around stewardship, right? Uh, the word says that uh, whether we eat or drink, whatever it is that we do, we do it to the glory of God, right? We, our aspiration is to honor God in everything we do. And we talk about it, you know, from a relationship standpoint. We talk about it, you know, in our careers. We talk about it in a lot of spaces. But sometimes when it comes to money, we get a little tight on that conversation. And so we want to dive in to that. Noah gave us um, kind of this hierarchy over the last few weeks of, you know, just tears that our money should be spent. Like, what should be first? What should be a priority in our life? And it starts with tithing, um, then it goes into debt, paying off debt, 
you know, our specific needs, mortgages, foods, and it goes all the way down, and fun is at the end, but oftentimes in our lives, we do the flip, right? You know, we probably do fun first, you know, probably, you know, mortgage and some of those things next. We probably go into more debt to continue to have fun, right? And then tithing and some of those other things become last. And so, um, but operating in that way isn't the way that honors God. And we want to be a people that honor God. And so we're going to discuss today what it looks like and how we prepare our hearts to be ready to um, navigate financially like that. So before we dive too deep into the sermon, we got a couple discussion questions. If you're new, uh, one of the things we do here at Mosaic is we start with discussion questions. So we're going to leave these up here. The question is, if blank told me to put all of my money in cryptocurrency because it would 10x this week means multiply by 10, I would do it. And so whoever you would fill in that blank, I want you to, to your group, answer the question, what makes you trust this person so much? Like what makes you trust them so much that you would take that radical of a choice to do it? And you do have to pick a person. And the second question is if blank's uh, kid was sick and they needed a large amount of money for a cure, I give them every dime that I have. What person do you have a relationship like that? And, and why would you give up all of your money for them? So those are our questions. And then we're going to come back into the message. One, one thing that what Noah, Noah had said earlier, it's like, hey, man, we may not have known that I was going to be preaching today, but God knew this before the beginning of creation. So we're all good, man. Hey, no, don't, don't cut me any slack. Um, <laughs> but, the, but the question is, there we go. So the question was, if Blank told me to put all of my money in a cryptocurrency because it was 10x, 10x this week, I would do it. What makes you trust this person so much? And I think most of us were like, unless it's God, I'm not going with that person, right? Like, I, there's not many people I would trust like that. But there's some people that came up with Dave Ramsey, right? And it's likely that he would never say anything like this. But if he did say it, he holds a level of trust and influence financially in people's lives where they would make that decision. Uh, I spoke to one person who said their grandparents because of how financially sound they are. Um, one person said it have to be the president of Bank of America, right? Like there's some people that have such financial acumen and trust that we would listen to what they would say and invest everything we had into it because we trust them that much. Now, if I said if it was the, per the dude you just met at Target said, hey man, you should throw all your money in Mosaic coin. This crypto is about to take off. You're probably not going to put your money into it, right? Because we don't trust them that way. That's not, it's, it's not credible. There's nothing there that, that has in that relationship that says, hey, I would put it all on the line for them. The second one, if, if Blank's kid was sick and they needed a large amount of money for a cure, I'd give them every dime that I have. And most of us were able to come up with somebody. Like there's somebody in our life that if their child, if their life was on the line and they needed money, that you would take radical measures, maybe even sell your home if you own a home or sell your PlayStation, sell whatever you had. Because if you knew they got the right amount, this child's life is going to be saved, we would do it. There's some other people. There's a lot of, there's a lot of sick kids in the world, though, and we're not putting our money there like that because our relationship with them isn't that. So depending on how much you trust a person, 
And depending on how much you love a person, we'd be willing to do radical things financially. And I believe that the Lord wants us to love, to trust, and commit to him that way. I think the Lord wants us to look at him in whatever way we looked at person one and trust him with our finances in a radical fashion. I think the Lord wants us to be so intimately impacted by his mission and so committed to his mission moving forward and so committed to that goal happening that we would give everything, we would be willing to put it all on the line and surrender it all to him the same way we would if our child was ill or somebody that we love child was ill. Now, I don't think that we just naturally would, um, <clears throat> would be this way. I, I think our world teaches, at least financially, even in, even in responsible financial measures, that we shouldn't take these type of risks. These things are too risky, that's too aggressive, that's too much. Protect the house, protect home. And I think God is asking us to do something, something radically different. And so how do we prepare our hearts for that? How do we prepare our hearts to be a community like you see in Acts 2, where they sold everything that they had to make sure that nobody in the community was in need? Like that's a radical way of living that honors God that's very different than how we're taught to go about uh, reserving capital here in the United States. I think the only way that it happens is through prayer. And when I say prayer, I'm not saying pray to the Lord, pray to the Lord, gimme, 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 right? Like that's, or Lord, just help me to be better financially. I think that if we, if we pray a certain way, it will prepare our hearts continually to always be ready for when those opportunities present itself. And we find this in a book of Matthew. Am I pushing this wrong? It says pray, and, and the Lord is teaching us how to pray here. It's commonly called the Lord's Prayer. It says pray then in this way. Our Father, that could be the whole sermon, our Father. When we, jump in, when we jump into prayer, I know oftentimes we think of prayer as a request and making a request to God, and there is that. But I also think that prayer does something radical to us spiritually, and I think it prunes us. I think as we engage in prayer the way that the Lord calls us to pray, that it reminds us of what's important, it changes our hearts, it, it changes our perception of the Lord and changes our perception of each other. When we start with our Father, although we're praying to the God of the universe, although we're praying to the creator of the entire world, the one who made everything, the all-powerful being, I think at times we think of that person as distant. But when we say our Father, it changes that perception. This is, this is an intimate relationship. When I think of my father, and I, and, and I, I want to be sensitive to anybody in here that has an issue with their dad or, you know, their dad wasn't present or that, I, I'm not speaking to that. I think we all have an idea of what a father should be, right? And when you talk about a good father, which our God is, their provider, their protector, First of all, you wouldn't even be here without him, literally. Would not be here without your dad. This is somebody that loves you. This is somebody that, that has the best 
intentions for you and mine at all time. I was blessed to have two dads, um, one through birth, uh, Chief Master Sergeant Anthony Liggins, and then my second dad, uh, although my parents unfortunately had a divorce, my second dad came through my mom's remarriage, Roy. Roy was one of the most incredible men I have ever met. This guy showed me how to love your wife like Christ loves the church. This guy has financially supported me, has emotionally supported me, has physically supported me, has done everything in his power to be there for me. If Roy asked me, unfortunately he can't ask me, because last year um, we're coming up to the anniversary of his passing, and um, so now he is with the Father, and I'm sure he's very excited about that. But if Roy were to ask me for every dime I had, I would give it to him in a heartbeat because that's what he means to me. And I know that he wouldn't ask me for it if it wasn't needed. That's my father. And so when we're, if we're reminded of that's who our heavenly father is, whenever he's asking us to put our money here or to sacrifice and put it there, it's with that heart. And if we have that heart toward him, we're willing to do it. But if we have the heart toward him that, ah, eh, maybe you're not thinking about what's best for me, maybe you don't really care, maybe you don't, then we're going to be hesitant and we're not going to be able to honor God in our finances. The second thing of it is, if, it's, if he's our father, not just my father, then that means he's your father, and he's your father, and he's Lucero's father, and he's Coach Bracey's, Coach Bracey's father. And if God is your father, that means that we're brothers and sisters. I remember telling you guys a story um, last year. Me and my kids running late to church, as we usually, usually are. Um, Joel, did you laugh? <laughs> I saw a smirk on your face. Um, running late, and when you exit off on Wealthy at 131, there's usually a homeless guy there. And um, this time, we didn't have anything on us. And so uh, the guy comes up, I roll down my window, I said, I'm sorry, bro, I don't have anything on me. The guy says, no worries, God bless you, brother. Or, or God bless you, bro. And I said, thanks, brother, I appreciate that. And I go to leave. And my kids say, dad, is that your brother? And I'm like, now I'm, now I'm caught, right? Like, because if I say, if I say, no, that's not my brother, right? Then why am I lying? But if I say, yes, that is my brother, I know where they're going because we tell them every day, brothers and sisters do three things. They love each other, help each other, and protect each other. And I'm driving by my brother, who I just said is my brother, who's standing out in the cold, hungry, not doing anything while I'm also rushing to church to say that I love Jesus, right? And my kids are like, you're gonna let your brother be outside? So we pulled right to the gas station, right there at Division and Wealthy. I've never spent more money in a gas station in my life. My kids were buying all kind of stuff for this guy. Piled it all up, took it back to him, said that I love you. But if, my, if I would have looked at him originally, not just off of banter, but if I would have looked at him initially like this is my brother, I would have been much more willing, eager, um, 
and intentional, intentional about making sure that he was okay. And I think that when we start the Lord's Prayer, it reminds us of that. Um, it reminds us that we're family. It reminds us that God is our Father. It reminds us that we're brothers and sisters in him. So it's our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And many of you guys know that hallowed be your name means that you're set apart. Our God is set apart. Our God is not like this world. Our God functions in a different system, a different mindset, a different idea than what this world has in mind. It should be a reminder to us if we're his children, right? If we're, if we're his children, you're going to be like your parents. If you guys look at my, my um, I like saying biological dad or my first dad, right? Not Roy. If you look at my first dad and you look at me, you're going to see that both of us are very good looking. And, it, <laughs> and you're both going to see we both are bald, receding hairlines. We have similar mannerisms. We joke in the same way because I'm designed to be like my father. I'm designed to behave like him. I'm designed to act like him. And not just, you know, in my, you know, physical uh, and characteristics, but even in spending, right? The things that bother my dad about spending as I've gotten older seem to bother me. When I was a kid, not so much, right? When I was a kid, leave all the lights on. I got older, now I'm sounding like my dad. I got these lights on, cut all the lights off, cut off the air, don't turn on the heat yet, right? I'm turning into my dad as I, as I get older. And in the same way, we're supposed to be like our heavenly father set apart. So when we're making financial decisions, are we being influenced by the world system and how the world says we are to operate and how the world says we are to go about our finances and lending and things like that? Or are we thinking, Maybe there's a different way. Am I, is, is the way that I'm going about securing my finances the way that the Lord would, the way that my father would? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every time we pray this, we should be reminded that what is first in our lives is the kingdom of God, not ours. I think as Americans, we are big on building our own kingdoms. We want to get our own house, we want it to be a big house, and we want to flip that house to make it a better house. We want to get a car, then we want nicer cars, we want a job, we want better jobs, we want this, we want, like, if, if you talk about the American dream, if you talk about what kids want to do when they grow up, if you even talk about career people, most of their ambitions are around becoming more and having more. It's building their own kingdom. And we strive to this. We, we, we don't want to part ways with our, our money because that takes away from me building this kingdom that I've worked so hard for and I deserve to have. But if it's his kingdom, then it's all his. And it's about building what he wants and how he wants it to look and how he wants it dispersed. And this isn't natural to us. It's very easy. I promise you, by the time lunch gets here, all, many of us, maybe even me, were for, would have forgotten that it's about his kingdom and not ours. And we can say it, you know, and we can say that we're Christians and that we believe it, but if our actions aren't actually following that, then is it really true? And I think that if we continue to pray this way, the way the Lord encourages us to pray, if we're reminding ourselves of this every day, 
I believe that things that you listen to and things that you say repeatedly begin to become truth to you. There's, um, there used to be this song back in the day, uh, and I'm, I'm going to date myself a little bit. Some of y'all be like, that's, that's so young, I have no idea what it is. Some of y'all younger people will be like, what is this guy talking about? But there is a, there is a remnant in here that will know what I'm speaking of. There was, there was this wild rapper called DMX, and he had this song called Y'all gonna make me lose my mind up in here. And there was a part there where it, it, it goes into one, two, meet me outside, meet me outside. And, you, and no, this was my jam, man. Before every football game, before every basketball game, uh, two, like I'm ready to fight. I'm re- I wasn't even, I'm not a fighter like that. I, I'm a lover, I'm not a fighter. Like if it comes to my kids and my wife, okay, I'll throw hands. But other than that, I'm not really trying to fight it. But I'm singing this song all the time. And my buddies go out. And some guy said something crazy to us. And what comes out of my mouth? Meet me outside. They said, okay. They met me outside. I'm like, where am I at right now? Why am I here? Luckily, I had huge friends that deterred those guys from wanting to fight me. But here I am about to be in a fight because what? I'm not a fighter, but because I'm listening to DMX all the time. I'm meditating on DMX and meet me outside and y'all gonna make me lose my mind and now I'm acting crazy. Why? Was I crazy? Was I raised to be crazy? Was I designed to be crazy? No. But I'm meditating on that. I'm focusing on that. But if we start focusing on your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, how will that impact our actions? How will that impact, you know, how we, how we engage with each other? How will that impact how we go out, you know, to witness to people? How will that impact our lives, our churches, our communities. If it's about his kingdom and we're removed from it, then we're removing the pride because it's not mine, it's his. You know, maybe I want the house to look this way. If I go to Noah's home and I'm like, man, I want the doors to look this way and I want the windows to look that way. It ain't my house, so it doesn't matter. We want in Noah's house what Noah wants. We want in God's house what God wants. And I think as we continue to pray this, you know, it, it marinates in our hearts, and we're reminded of this. It says, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Is that what we ask God for? I mean, if you're honest with yourself, do we ask God for daily bread, or are we asking God for, like, Ruth Chris? Like, we want steaks. We want burgers. We want the cars. We want the, like, we're back to building our kingdom. This prayer is, God, just give me the necessity I need for today. This is, this is paying homage back to when Israel was in the wilderness and um, the Lord provided them manna from heaven daily. They're saying, just give us that. We don't need anything more. Just give us that and we'll be satisfied. Reminding ourselves, guys, that it's not about accumulation of wealth. And I'm, I'm not opposed, don't get me wrong, I'm not opposed to God blessing us with wealth, but if our hearts are that we must have wealth, then we won't be able to honor God with it. But if our hearts are, God, just give me what we need, as God blesses us, we will be able to visually see the overflow that he's provided to us, and it's easier when you feel that you have an overflow of an abundance of blessing to want to bless other people with it. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Man, 
And it's interesting, even at the end of the Lord's Prayer, he's, um, uh, Jesus says that if we don't forgive people here on earth, then our Father in heaven will not forgive us. Like, it's almost a conditional, right? Like, this relationship says, hey, if you're saying that you love me, if you're saying you've been forgiven, the fruit of that would be that you're forgiving other people. If you're not forgiving other people, you probably, you know, aren't right here. And so, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Guys, when people do something wrong to you, or when people impact you negatively financially, it's easy to just lock yourself into that bubble. Like, this is all that's happened in my life. There's been this injustice that's happened to me. I've been wronged, and I'm fired up. But if we read the story of the, um, of the servant who had a tremendous debt that he could never pay back, and the king forgave him, and then he went and found somebody that, that owed him a small amount, and he was strangling him, them, we look at that guy like he's crazy. Like, how could, how could you be forgiven so much and then you're attacking this person? Like, why wouldn't you just forgive them? But this is our attitudes every day. Noah showed us a few weeks ago the gift of, that we've been given in salvation, how much we've been forgiven. It's like the size of the globe, and it was, you know, as compared to a Christmas tree, if some of you guys remember that illustration. Guys, we've been forgiven. I, I'll say this. I've been forgiven more than I could possibly forgive anybody else, more than anybody I know could possibly forgive anybody. And, it, you know, I end up in some of these conversations. I, I promise you guys, I'm, I aspire to be super fiscally responsible, not as responsible as Joel, but I try to be fiscally responsible. I work hard. Um, you know, the whole discussion on student loans is up, right, and debt forgiveness, student loan forgiveness. Should, should all these student loans just be forgiven? And I know how hard we've been working at paying our student loans, and I know, you know, the sacrifices that I've made to be paying these student loans. So in my mind, in my fiscal responsibility, I'm like, heck no, they ain't getting no forgiveness. I haven't been given any forgiveness in that, so you ain't getting any either. And I get fired up about it. I'm like, hey, 100K this person got free. Do you know how much I paid? I'm like, am I getting the 70K I paid? Are y'all giving that back? Like, I'm, I'm all in this debate. I'm all fired up. And then I remember, I've been forgiven from hell. Like, I've been forgiven more than if you took all the student loans and combined them all together. I've been forgiven that times infinity. It makes it then really difficult for me to feel bad for anybody else that gets a forgiveness. And I'm not telling you to have a position on that. What I am telling you is that if the reason I feel that way is because I'm praying this every day and I'm reminded every day that I owed a debt that I could never repay and it makes me sensitive to other individuals that may owe a debt to me or owe a debt to society and, um, and wanting for them to be forgiven as well. But that's radically different. That's radically different than, than I think what we're taught. That's radically different than, and, and I'm also saying, don't flip it to the other side where, you know, because I know that, that statement can seem a bit political. 
It's not. I, I'm totally not for a idea of just irresponsibility, people just taking out a bunch of loans, nobody's doing anything, let the whole economy collapse. I'm not in that camp. But I'm saying as Christ followers, as believers, as people in a church community and things like that, and how specifically we engage with one another, we should, we should be a people that are known as forgiving and in multiple capacities. Actually, they used to have a year of Jubilee. Like they used to actually have a schedule within their culture, a year of forgiveness. Whether you are forgiving or not, as a community, we are forgiven. Like that's radically different than this, than this world is. And I think that our hearts are, will, will continually be pricked in that way um, if, we're, if we're constant in prayer like this. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, it's, it's interesting. Like when we think of temptation, I think most of us think of, you know, um, like uh, temptation to do something wrong to somebody or temptations like uh, sexual temptations or pornography or things like that. Like we think, most people think of those temptations. I don't think many people think of spending. I don't think many people think of how you're utilizing your money and the worship of money, right? But we also read that the love of money is the root of all evil. So certainly money plays a tremendous role in temptation. And God, are you, and, and, and are we, when we're praying this way, are we praying for the Lord to remove us from the temptation to be jealous of the home that Lucero has? Or, or Lord, remove me of the temptation to be jealous of the car that Mark has, right? Remove that temptation from me so that I can live uh, a life that's satisfied, that's content, and that's free to give in the ways that you would, you would have me to give. But deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, it's all his. It's all his. It is all his. The power and the glory forever and ever, amen. When we think of it as ours, then we have strong opinions on how it should be used. This is mine. You're asking me to do this with mine. This reminds us that it's not actually what, what he's asking you to steward ain't even yours. It's his. Here, he's given, up, given it to us to borrow, to utilize. Hey, here it is. This is what I'd like you to do with it. Imagine Joel saying, here, Josh, here's $10,000. This is what I'd like you to do with it. I'm like, no, bro, this is mine. What do you mean? How are you going to tell me what to do with my money? It's not mine, it's his. Right? And so, guys, that's, that's my encouragement to us as, as a family, as a church. Um, there's certainly tons of other implications here as we go through the Lord's Prayer. But from a financial standpoint, guys, if we're praying this way and our hearts are reminded of who we are in relationship to our Father, who we are in relationship to one another, I think that it prepares our hearts for when the time comes to make a decision that might seem radical to this world, we will be reminded that we're not of this world. When, it, when the time comes to make a decision that seems crazy or radically loving to somebody beyond what is deserved, 
we be reminded that we've been radically loved beyond what we deserve, right? It would be at the forefront of our minds. And so I think if we continue to pray this way, that we'll have hearts that would honor our Lord and Savior um, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and in this sermon, financially. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and grace, your mercy, your kindness, your goodness. Lord, I pray that as we go about on our days, our weeks, Lord, um, that we would honor you with all that we have, that we would honor you in our relationships, that we would honor you in our communication, that we would honor you in our work, that we would honor you in our forgiveness, and Father, that we would even honor you financially. Father, I pray that it would regularly be on our minds that nothing we have is ours. It's all yours. This world is yours. The kingdom is yours. The power is yours. The glory is yours. Our families, yours. Our bank accounts, yours. And that as your children and your people, that we would utilize all that we have. The word says to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves, Father, that we would honor you in that way. Father, I pray that we would also be reminded of you are our, you are our good Father and that the things that you ask us to do in any capacity, you have our best interest in mind. Lord, also, I would pray that it would be the forefront of our mind that you've forgiven us that you've purged our debt that we could never repay. And you purged it with your son, not with cash, not with cryptocurrencies or Bitcoin. You paid for it with the blood of your son. I pray that we would always have hearts that feel indebted to you and that we would surrender everything we have to you always. In the name of Jesus, our Messiah, I pray. Amen.